Uh, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, by the way. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this time to gather together. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for redeeming us, Lord. Thank you for, thank you for wanting us to be with you so bad that you, uh, you did this. You made this um, the way that we were able to get back to you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you that we get to come and we get to worship you and we get to be together and we get to sing um, and we get to worship freely here, Lord, in this place. Thank you for Pastor Steve as he's going to come today and share your word. God, I just pray your blessing on him. I just pray your anointing on him, Lord, and I just thank you for his purpose here in this church with this body. Thank you that you will speak through him, Lord, because he submitted himself to you as your vessel. <clears throat> Lord, we had some, we had some um, opposition this week from the enemy trying to discourage my husband from doing what you'd have him to do. <clears throat> and in your name, and by your spirit, we fought, and you've brought Steve here today to share your word, Lord. You are so mighty and so good and so loving. You're the God of unfailing love. You chase us to the ends of the earth. We're so precious to you, and you've given us so much. Father, um, I'm sure, like myself, there are so many people in this room um, whose hearts are heavy with the war going on in Ukraine. And Lord, we just pray that you are, you are in it. You are over it. You, um, you can bring an end to this war. You are mightier than any man who puts himself in power. You are over all, and you see all, and you work it all together, <clears throat> excuse me, for your good. And we just submit everything to you now, Lord. We surrender it all. We surrender our worries. We surrender circumstances <clears throat> excuse me, going on in the world, Lord. You know about them, God, and you are able to work. Send people who can help there, Lord. Move in a mighty way to end the suffering there, Father. Thank you again for this time. Thank you for Steve and his willingness to come. Thank you for your healing on Pastor Doug. And we thank you for all the healing that you're going to continue to bring forth, Lord, in various ways, not just in Pastor Doug, but on this body, Lord, healing hearts and minds, bodies, souls, Lord, relationships, because that's your business. You're over it all, Father. We thank you for that. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
kind of knows that we've been praying over my son, Mason, uh, with his, scolio his uh, scoliosis situation he has, and that we've been praying for a particular kind of surgery and doctors and for insurance to be able to help cover all of these things. Uh, and we got word this last week that, hey, great, you got, you got that really good insurance, that's going to help you a lot, but first we need $40,000. Um, and so it was very, very, very disheartening to hear. Um, it was something that immediately I did not take well. Um, but this is why it is so important to have someone like my wife, who is an amazing prayer warrior, um, and somebody who can hold me up during this time. Uh, because as we've already started making phone calls, we've already started to see a path that God is going to use for this. Um, so it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, so we'll keep you guys informed on, on everything that's going on with that. And uh, just to tell you about how God works through all these kinds of things, when, when my wife prayed that this morning, I had to remind myself what it was that was the problem. <laughs> I couldn't remember it anymore. We prayed over that, what was it, Monday? Monday or Tuesday? And I forgot it. I literally forgot about it. She prayed it, and I went, oh, that's right. What was that? It's amazing what God will do when you only have to ask. And this morning, uh, with that, I guess one other quick announcement about another kind of surgery. I, I've made mention that Pastor Doug uh, is doing well. Um, just want to let you guys know as well. Uh, he went in on Wednesday, came out on, on Thursday. Uh, doctor said everything went really, really well. I went down with my mom. We picked him up on Thursday and drove him back up. Um, he was nice and talkative when he got in the car, and then the drugs wore off at about Halifax, um, and he was no longer talkative. Uh, but we, he got in, into the house, up the stairs, no issues. He's got some practice with his hips being able to do that. Um, and uh, so he's up there making sure he's walking around um, as the doctors have told him to. Um, and he keeps saying, yeah, my knee's starting to feel really good. And I told him, well, that's a setup for a setback, Dad. So <laughs> make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. So thank you for your prayers over that. Things are going well for this. Today, uh, I wanted to bring to you guys kind of looking at something, and I, and I often do this with a lot of the sermons that I bring. I take something familiar, and I try to make it a little bit more interesting. So that's my hope this morning. And, and it's, it's fun because I, I decided on this topic even before last Sunday when, when Pastor Doug told you all that I'd be preaching out of Romans 9, and I kept sitting there going, no, I've already, I'm not. And so I had to talk to him about how no, he was only joking, I promise. Um, we're not all going to be in trouble because I didn't do Romans 9, I promise, okay? We're all still going to be on the same syllabus when he gets back. Um, but I came up with this idea, um, and I really wanted to talk about it, and I didn't really pay attention to what else was going on. And lo and behold, I, I came up with this notion of, well, I really want to talk about what, what the cross really means to us. And I, I've got four sermons ready for this. So we'll see how today goes. If it goes well, then you'll get to hear the other three. And if this one doesn't go well, then we'll probably have a missionary or something next week. 
you, Colleen. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the cross, and, and I didn't even realize until last week that today was Communion Sunday. I said, oh, well, that just must be the Spirit working. That's so good. Uh, and then we get to singing about um, the wondrous cross, and we get to singing about what Jesus has done for us. So this worked out really well, um, and I appreciate that. So I want to look at the cross today, and I want to look at, we say that, the, that what Jesus has done on the cross is how we get our forgiveness of sins, and I want to understand why. So my first question I'm going to ask us is, why the cross? In the, the scripture that my wife so eloquently read for us, we see Jesus with the two criminals next to him. And we see instant forgiveness for the one who has asked Jesus to be forgiven. It's, this is something that's pretty amazing. Now, Jesus, through his ministry, oft, several times told people, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees very quickly went, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't do that. You're not allowed. And I'm going to be honest. Had, they, had Jesus not been God, they would have been right in that culture. For forgiveness of sins, it required sacrifice. But Jesus, being God, was able to say, yeah, you're forgiven. Because I'm, I'm the one who holds that debt anyway. So I forgive it. But instead, in the rest of that culture, again, they needed sacrifice for their forgiveness of sins. And we can find out why and how in the book of Leviticus. So I bet most of you are getting ready for church this morning thinking, well, they're probably not going to talk about Leviticus today. So the first seven chapters of Leviticus... But you can turn there if you want. I'm going to cover it for you, uh, so you're welcome. Uh, but the first seven chapters are all five, five, five of the different sacrifices that people had to do in order to be forgiven of particular sins. So if you sinned in this way, you got to do this kind of sacrifice. But if you sinned in this way, then you also need to do this kind of sacrifice. And after you've done that, you need to go and do restitutions and make sure that this person is taken care of. But if you sin in this way, then you're going to need this kind of sacrifice. But if you sin in that way, then you're going to need three kinds of sacrifices. And at the festival, we're also going to need to do two more kinds of sacrifices. So not confusing at all. It only takes seven chapters of Moses' writing to figure out exactly what we need to do and when. And by the way, all five of those sacrifices are very different. We're going to talk about them. We're going to, we're going to understand on a very surface level what's going on with these things. And what's amazing is as we talk about these, I want to point one thing out to you first. That the cross is actually taking care of all of these things. It took care of every last one. It fulfilled the role of every single one of these sacrifices. Thus, we're able to say that what Jesus did on the cross has forgiven our sins. So let's take a look at this. Again, in the first seven chapters of Leviticus, we are describing the five kinds of sacrifices. The first one that gets talked about is a burnt sacrifice. 
And what the burnt sacrifice does is it showcases our devotion and commitment to God. That's the whole reason for it. And it's also done on the north side of the altar. Scholars say it was done because there was enough things going on on the altar and the burnt offering takes a really long time to finish and so they just keep it off to the side so they can keep everything else moving. So what happens is they take their burnt offering to the priest, the priest blesses it, puts it off to the side. He also makes sure that the, the specimen that's brought is perfect and fits every single thing that is necessary for this burnt offering as if it it's, must be male, uh, it must be a sheep, it must be on and on and on and on and on. And so then it is put at the north side of the altar and burnt up. And again, it is, is a show of our devotion and commitment to God. And Jesus fulfills this if you go to Mark 14, 36. You don't need to go there, uh, but that is Jesus' prayer in the garden. And what does Jesus ask? God, take this from me if there's any other way. But if there isn't, then your will be done. Jesus going to the cross is showing his commitment to God's plan. The moment he stepped into that, he is proving his words, your will be done. And the other very interesting thing about this too is when Jesus goes to Calvary, when he is taken to Golgotha, that's on the north side of the city. It is north of the altar. He has fulfilled the burnt offering. The next offering is called a grain offering. And this one is, is actually not done with animals whatsoever. It's actually done with just like a pizza crust is how it gets described. They didn't have pizza, but it looked like one, okay? Uh, but this is actually a voluntary act of worship and thanksgiving. This is saying, God, you have provided for me in all these ways. I want to give something back. Again, Jesus fills this offering by one, he did it voluntarily. And two, it is literally God providing for us. If you think, and again, this wasn't done with grain, but if you think back with Abraham when he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac and God stepped in and said, no, no, no. I've provided a different way. That's God's provision for this sacrifice. In the same way, Jesus was provided for us. The third kind of offering is a peace offering. So this covers a, a, it is forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with another person. So this is maybe you've gotten in a bad argument with somebody and you started bad-mouthing them somewhere else or... Uh, you, you've done something where basically you have severed a tie with somebody. So what this offering is, is after, after you've gone and reconciled with that person, you come back and you make this sacrifice to cover the sin. So it's not just fixing the relationship with another person, it's also fixing the relationship with God. That's the idea. And in 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul tells us that we are given the task of reconciliation because of what Christ has done on the cross. He has reconciled us with God. So again, Jesus fulfills that offering. 
The fourth offering we have is our sin offering. And that was a mandatory atonement for unintentional sin. And they did that one outside the camp. So that's the one that you just go about your day. And at the end of the day, you went, oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. I made a mistake. Or, or you, you are presented by somebody to say, hey, you know, it really hurt me when you did. Or, or hey, uh, you let your cattle out and they ate all of my grain. So it's unintentional sin. And these were often done at their festivals as well. Because as we sit here, we're probably thinking back, like, oh yeah, I, I did that. I didn't really mean to. So this is that, that kind of offering that covers that kind of sin. In Romans 3.25, it says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. That's the sin offering. Jesus covered it. And something also to, that's kind of interesting, Jesus had to leave the city to get to Calvary. So the sin offering was done outside the camp. Jesus was crucified outside the city, taking care of it. Lastly, we have the guilt offering, which was, again, mandatory atonement for unintentional and intentional. So this was like the big one. This was the one that covered everything. But this one also required financial restitutions in order to erase a debt. So business dealings go wrong. Maybe you rob somebody. You know, those are the intentional sins there this would be the offering that you would have to perform. For our guilt offering, Jesus covered it because we read in John 19.30, when uh, at the very end on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. You can read that as the bill's been paid. It's taken care of. The debt is gone. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Essentially, Jesus telling us that the debt you owe me is taken care of. I've taken care of it now. No more financial restitutions. No more spiritual restitutions necessary. You see, the cross has fulfilled every single kind of sacrifice listed in the Old Testament as requirement for our sin whether intentional, unintentional, whether it was just part of the minor Jewish laws or it was part of the Ten Commandments, everything's covered and taken care of by the cross. Every kind of sacrifice that God put before the nation of Israel in order to keep them in line was 100% fulfilled by Christ. We start with a perfect specimen. He had no sin. He went voluntarily. He did it in order to show his commitment to God's will. It was done outside of camp. It was done north of the altar. 
It was done as provision for us. It covered it all. Every one of those requirements covered by Jesus on the cross. It was done more complete than any human priest could ever carry out. It was done more obediently than any follower of Christ or any follower of God could ever hope to offer. The process was taken care of, and as Jesus stated, it is finished. So why the cross? It's because we couldn't have done it any better. We couldn't have done it any better. And that's all extremely well and good, and I'm sure as you've come here and you said, well, that's all very nice, Pastor Steve, I don't understand why we came here. This is something we've been learning our whole lives in this church. Fantastic. Why do we still have problems? We've been told we are forgiven. All of our sins have been covered. And yet we still have problems. Really, I think a lot of our problems stems from our inability to accept forgiveness. Everything that Jesus done is, did on the cross is God saying, you're forgiven. This is done now. And usually our response is, yeah, well, give me a minute. Why do we have such a hard time accepting forgiveness? Could it be something like embarrassment? I'll tell you, um, you've, you've probably heard the story in here before because it was a big deal in our family uh, when we used to live in Lebanon and I burnt a field down. Have you heard it? No? No one's heard this. Thanks, Dad. Didn't share that with anybody? Well, now I am. I was burning trash on a Saturday afternoon in probably July, uh, so you can understand the problem here. Um, we didn't have a burn barrel, we had a burn pit. And we used it often enough that there wasn't a whole lot of like grass close to it. But I was a hasty teenager who wanted to do anything else but burn trash, so I piled it all up and lit it aflame. And then it fell over into the dry grass. Have you ever heard the saying, it's like spitting into a fire to put it out? I tried that. <laughs> it didn't work. That's why the saying makes sense. But as the flame is raging farther and farther into this field of nothing but dry grass, the first inclination I had was not, I should go get help. My first inclination was, well, this is really embarrassing. So I paused in going and getting help to keep the whole county from burning down because I said, well, this is kind of embarrassing. But instead, I, I ran in and got my sisters. And, and the, the best thing is, if you hear it from their point of view, I came in as calm as a lake in the middle of the night. Hey, guys, I need a little bit of help out here. And so they went, yeah, okay. And out they come, oh! right? 
quick, get the buckets. And so, yeah, uh, we didn't put it out. We had uh, 911 was called and three fire companies showed up. <laughs> Boy, this is embarrassing. <laughs> three of them. So yeah, I guess sometimes embarrassment would definitely keep you from, from accepting forgiveness because it's help for you. <laughs> embarrassment would definitely be there. What about something like disgust with yourself? Shame over what you've done. Saying, oh, I don't, you know, I don't even deserve this. I don't deserve forgiveness for that. I don't, I don't deserve any goodness because of what I've done. I'm sure we've all felt that at some point. Or maybe, even more tragically, maybe we actually enjoy our sin. Maybe it's something we don't want to let go. Guys, I've got to tell you, sin is like a cancer in your body. It's a cancer. It's killing you. It is killing relationships. It is killing your spiritual walk with God. Turn, turn with me, if you would, to John 3. John chapter 3, I want to I read something really quick for you. John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. Verse 19 says, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. They loved their sin. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. That's shame. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. I want, I want to point out one thing for you. It doesn't say they live in the light because they're perfect. It says they live in the light because that's what God wants. So what do these people do? They accept forgiveness and they confess their sins. That's what God wants. Yeah, of course, God wants us to live a godly and perfect life. But he also knows we're not capable of it. And that is why we have the cross. We're not capable of a perfect life. So God tells us instead, bring your sins out into the light. Let everyone see and let everyone see that you're forgiven. So our first reality that we have to understand here is we have to come to grips with the idea that, yes, we are indeed sinners. Even now, even as we have accepted Christ as our Savior, even as we have believed that what Christ did on the cross has forgiven all of our sins, we have to accept the fact that we are still sinners. 
And secondly, we have to also understand that our sin is destructive. Our sin is destructive. When you keep it to yourself and you hide it from your spouse, that's going to wreck your marriage. You keep it to yourself and you don't tell your friend about it, you're going to wreck your friendship. When you keep it to yourself and you don't tell your boss or your coworkers, your career is going to suffer. When you keep sin to yourself, it will only destroy you. But here's the good news. We are forgiven. There's the good news. So why keep it to yourself? It's forgiven. As God waits for us to come to him and say, God, I have been unfaithful. I have been angry. I have been full of rage. I have been lustful. I have been coveting. I have been jealous. And God knows, I know. And you're forgiven. Thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing that to me. I know you're forgiven. That's the good news. That's the full gospel right there, guys. The full gospel. What this forgiveness also does for us is it also brings us freedom from guilt and shame. Have we heard that before in this church? Yeah, maybe once or twice. Freedom from guilt and shame. What does that even mean? It's interesting when you do a word study on the Greek word used for forgiveness because it's actually not focused on the action that was done that was the actual sin. You can't take away the event. What you can take away is the guilt associated with it. You can take away the shame. There's no reason to hide this. There's no reason to keep it to yourself and allow it to continually destroy your communities. You can bring this out because it's been forgiven and we can move on from there. That's where we start. That's where God starts. So here's our challenge. And this is the tough one. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. If you are a follower of Christ and you want your friends or your family or your coworkers or your neighbors to know what the love of Christ looks like, let them see you forgive. Because that's where it started for the vast majority of us. Somebody does something wrong to you, somebody wrongs you in a certain way, somebody makes you feel bad, somebody does something terrible to you, forgive them. Somebody isn't leading the lifestyle you think they're supposed to be leading, forgive them. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, somebody shows you a certain finger out their window, somebody yells something irresponsible at you, forgive them. Easy enough, right? If you want people to see what the love of Christ looks like, let them see you forgive. 
Let them see you release your hold on their guilt and their shame as God has released your guilt and your shame. You see, the power that you have felt in your life from the beginning when you started following Christ, the power that you have felt from being forgiven by Christ, by his work on the cross, can be passed on. That can be passed on. And it is through forgiveness. Guys, we, we have no reason not to. Because God said so with the cross. It is finished. God said so. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the cross. Lord, I thank you for Jesus and the cross. I thank you for his willingness to go to the cross for me. Lord, I thank you for your plan that includes provision for me. For my forgiveness of sin, my forgiveness of any guilt and shame that comes with it, Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness of me. Lord, it is, it is a monumentous challenge to forgive other people when all we want is that restitution. Lord, I ask that you would help our hearts to be your heart, to be like your heart so that we may forgive others and they can see your amazing love through that. Lord, we love you and we honor you with all we say and do. Amen.